It's a brand new year and a brand new byword. As we head into the new year, what are our nerd year resolutions? The byword starts now. Ladies and gentle nerds, welcome to a new episode of the Nerd Byword Podcast, episode 135. I'm Dave, I'm here with my buddy Chris, and we are just tickled pink to celebrate a brand new year with another episode of the Nerd Byword Podcast. In this week's Big Talk, we are going to bandy about some of our nerd year resolutions. What do we hope to achieve and accomplish in the nerd world in the upcoming year? Uh, But before that, it is time as always for... Chris, you're going to have to explain this news story to me because, uh, what? (laughs) Well, Donald Glover is finally getting his Spider-Man movie, kind of. Uh, So Glover is going to star and produce in yet another Sony Pictures Spider-Man-centric, but not Spider-Man included uh, film, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, He is going to be centered around the hypno-hustler. a D-list, E-list villain uh, co-created by Bill Mantlo and Frank Springer, who showed up uh, first in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 24 in 1978. Uh, real name, Antoine Delsoen, leader of a band called the Mercy Killers, and uses hypnosis technology in his instruments uh, on the uh, audience in order to rob them. Um, you know, Glover has been long tied to the Spider-Man franchise since way back in 2012, where a lot of fans were clamoring for him to get the titular role in the 2012 reboot, uh, which ultimately went to Andrew Garfield. He did voice uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales in the Disney XD series, Ultimate Spider-Man in 2015. And he was also very, very briefly in um, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, where it was heavily hinted that he was Uncle Aaron. Um, Miles Morales's uncle. Um, so while we can, you know, roll our eyes at another Spider-Man antagonist getting a feature film with no Spider-Man at this point, I'm kind of here for this one, uh, especially with the people attached to it. Donald Glover, I think, is a really talented creator, and I think he could have a lot of fun with this. Um, Eddie Murphy's son, Miles Murphy, is set to write this thing. So... I know that we're kind of ugh, about, you know, the Venoms and the Morbiuses, um, but this one I'm oddly kind of excited for. I think it also really depends on what, they, what they're going to do with this. You know, we're talking about a very, you know, sort of obscure character. I've read a fair deal of Spider-Man comics and Hypno Hustler raised an eyebrow over here. So um, I, I think there's there's room for reinterpretation and reinvention here that uh, could lend itself to an interesting movie. So uh, I'm going to take a wait and see approach just as long as I don't have to sit through another Venom movie. I, I think I'll be fine. All right, Dave, uh, sad news on your end. 
yeah, well, you know, it is it is the uh, the shot heard around the world, so to speak, uh, for uh, nerds. Uh, we've you know had a uh, sort of um, a cameo in the recent Black Adam movie of Henry Cavill's version of Superman. Uh, new stories are being released that uh, he's coming back into the fold. That they're developing a, a Man of Steel sequel. Um, and uh, he exited The Witcher, obviously, around the same time. So much ado. Um, and now, uh, you know, since uh, James Gunn has been hired to co-head uh, DC Films, um, they have decided to go in a different direction. And it is official now that Henry Cavill is, in fact, not uh, returning to the role as Superman. Um, he has uh, released an official statement uh, on Instagram uh, saying, in part... Um, after being told by the studio to announce my return back in October prior to their hire, the hire of James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, this news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that. James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them and all involved with the new universe the best of luck and the happiest of fortunes. Um, and, you know, uh, we talked about this some already last week with uh, the reports that there will not be a Patty Jenkins helmed Wonder Woman 3 as it appears right now. Um, and so uh, there's definitely sort of a wiping of the slate occurring. I think that is becoming increasingly clear. Uh, there are still some uh, movies uh, coming from uh, DC that were sort of uh, you know, shot and, and and edited and everything before this changing of the guard. And, you know, it remains to be seen what will happen with those um, movies long term, if they're still going to be, you know, a, a jumping off point for sequels or if they're sort of the last hurrah of the old DC extended universe as it was. We still got The Flash. Uh, we still got uh, the new Shazam. We still got another Aquaman movie. Um, so it, it, it's, you know, uh, on the one hand, um, disheartening um, because I think most uh, everybody, uh, whether they were fans of the Snyder helmed movies uh, or not, most everyone pretty much agreed that Henry Cavill was just perfectly suited for the Superman role. And so seeing him come around again would have been extremely satisfying. On the other hand, it is um, uh, true that, you know, the changing of the guard happens and, and, you know, this is a, a time to maybe be excited for what this next iteration of Superman might could be. So, um, bitter, bittersweet to say the least. I, I, I do think that um, it is probably fair to say that a lot of uh, this kerfuffle situation um, probably falls at the feet of Rock to Dwayne Johnson. Um, I think the 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 Rock, as big of a fan as I am of his, has had sort of a um, an urge to fight Superman on the big screen for a long time, <laughs> going back many, many years. Um, and so uh, I, I, I seem to recall several years ago, he was even uh, bandied about as a possible um, a possible actor for the role of uh, Green Lantern, John Stewart. And he started, you know, uh, posting on social media about how, how John Stewart could whoop Superman. Like uh, he's been, he's been itching for this fight for a long time, I think. And so him throwing all his weight behind, you know, uh, Henry Cavill returning as Superman because he wanted to have this Black Adam Superman fight and then Black Adam sort of, you know, releasing to, to middling reviews and sort of a middling box office kind of put the, the final nail in the coffin of having another 
uh, Cavill at Superman movie in some respects. So, um, it's just, you know, trying trying to be uh, positive here and looking forward to, you know, what the, the new people in charge will, uh, you know, build as far as these characters go. Um, you know, we've, we make much out of the fact that I'm a DC guy and you're a Marvel guy. And, and I really want... I really just want some good DC movies again. I want I want the Superman movie above all else to just succeed. And so whether that is with Cavill or not, um, I, first and foremost, I'm a fan of the character. So here's hoping that they get it right this time. Yeah, I think for me, as more as I kind of sit back and take a deep breath, this is if this is collateral damage uh, to start over and get something fresh and build from the ground up as we did in... Uh, our most recent episode, I think, I think that's that's a necessary evil at this point. And while I'm sad to see Henry Cavill leave the role, um, not only Superman but now Geralt of Rivia as well. Um, I don't, I don't know anything about Warhammer, uh, this this new project he's got, but I'll support him in it. I am excited for the future, um, and I, I think it's probably for the best. Um, from what I, if I understand it correctly, they're going with a, a young-ish Superman story. And so that did not make Henry Cavill a fit for the role. So um, I'm, I'm excited for where the future goes. And I think it's, it's at this point, it's necessary to wipe the slate clean and start over. It's just interest. It's going to be interesting to see how we can do that with, as you mentioned, these other films still to go. Maybe the flash is this reset thing with uh, a lot of folks that are speculating like a flashpoint type of scenario. Um, But only time will tell. Yeah. uh, You know, it's, I feel like James Gunn obviously listens to our show, so um, I, I think if he, I think if he really wants to make a, a sort of a younger, uh, less experienced sort of Superman movie, then uh, might I suggest uh, one of the few good things to come out of the New Fifty Two Grant Morrison's run on Action Comics. There's something very striking about Superman in a pair of blue jeans and a Superman T-shirt, you know, dangling corporate villains out of a window. Um, I don't know, dude. I, I think I think Grant Morrison has had enough say with DC film and TV. <laughs> Grant Morrison could never have enough say. Grant Morrison must have all say. Grant Morrison is uh, Grant Morrison is like Darkseid. Grant Morrison is. Um, no, it's a it's a it's a great run, and in a lot of ways harkens back to the original. Um, you know, I'm sorry. I, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I just, I, I just blanked. And, uh, I, uh, that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever said on this show. I blanked and switched them out with Jeff Johns. My bad. Yes. So, so please Grant Morrison, uh, new 52 action comics run, uh, harkens back really to the original Siegel and Schuster comics. You know, uh, you could, you could, uh, in terms that won't make a lot of people happy, you could almost describe Superman sort of as a social justice warrior. Um, there are so many cool moments where he he just goes after you know the powerful that prey on the weak, and uh, you know it, it's 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 a very very powerful tale of early Superman, and uh, I, I think there's a lot to like there, and maybe some of that influence would be really good to provide a, a very different sort of take on a big screen Superman. Anyways, uh, moving on. Now that I'm, you know, back to wishing about various comic book influences on the new Superman movie, um, let's go ahead and move on to our byword big talk. We're going to be talking nerd year resolutions, so stick around. 
and we're back quite literally because it's a brand new year and uh chris and i are now charting the course for what we hope to do uh over the next nerdy year um and there's a lot to talk about both in terms of the byword and some personal things uh in that are connected to the nerd world that we hope to uh, accomplish so in this week's We're going to talk nerd year resolutions, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it right over to Chris. What is your first big nerd year resolution? Well, this feels very much like our 100th episode where we were kind of taking a look back and a look towards the future. But um, I am allergic to remaining stagnant and mediocrity. I'm always looking to grow this show and um, whether that's taking a more active role on social media. running more advertisements, creating different types of episodes, switching it up. Hosting on Mastodon. No, I can't get in. Um, (laughs) So y'all keep tooting on over there. Still can't get in. Um, But yeah, so I'm I'm looking to grow the show um, and and just create a a wider audience and get our names out there and uh, just be bigger and better and badder in every sense of the term. And that is, you know, obviously uh, always something that is in the back of our heads. So uh, the beginning of a new year is a natural place to to take stock a little bit of where we are as a show. And I'm very, very pleased with much that we have done um, as a podcast. You know, I, I really like your your nerd at night stuff that you've been doing over on, on Instagram to, to talk to like indie comic creators. That's that's such a cool uh, companion piece to what we're doing here uh, with the main show. Um I know we've redone our website recently. I thought that was a really good step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, as far as like more social media, it's always kind of difficult to to engage on on social media um, and, and draw not eyeballs, ears, draw ears to the show, um, I guess, considering how much of social media is in an upheaval right now. I mean, Facebook has basically become the place for old people. <laughs> um, uh, the, the kids in our lives keep reminding us of that quite frequently. Um, the metaverse is imploding quite literally <laughs> with with the company just losing billions of dollars. Uh, Twitter is just uh, in the hands of, of Lex Luthor, it seems like. Um Oh, that's that's a that's that's an insult to Lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> that 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 would that that would assume that he's uh, capable and intelligent. Yeah, uh, and then Hive, of course, is, is 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 very small potatoes right now, growing faster than it quite can quite handle yet. Um, and so, you know, they just had like a two week downtime as of this recording, um, just trying to get like their servers in order. And as uh, Chris likes to point out at every opportunity he can, he can't get into Mastodon. Um, so uh, social media is kind of a kerfuffle right now. So finding the perfect place to, to engage with our audience, even finding where our audience is hanging their hat right now, uh, is a difficult proposition. Um, but, but, you know, saying that we want to grow the show is never an indicator that we don't appreciate uh, the fans that we do have. Our audience is uh, small but vocal. Um, and we we love engaging uh, with all of you, um, both through the show and through social media. And we just you know want to want to spread the word about this this little show that I I think we 
um, have, have built sort of a positive environment on to, to sort of, you know, look at the nerd world from a very um, positive standpoint, I guess. Um, and, and if that's, you know, what we're building here and it takes a little longer to grow the show than if we were going straight negative and like, I don't know, putting googly eyes on 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 carol danvers or something um then then so be it i'd rather have slow growth and 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 you know stay true to our values than try to make like you know shock images and 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 headlines and stuff just to get you know hate listeners uh i'm not interested in that particular growth yep same here um i think that'll come with time and um I'm not going to do something that's disingenuous. I think the moral fibers uh, that have been instilled in me um, via comic books and, and superheroes in general and nerd media wouldn't allow me to do that. Yeah, Superman would not approve, Chris. <laughs> He's watching. Uh, <laughs> and neither would Peter Parker. Uh, Dave, you kind of tap danced around this one, but but leaned full into it. Your first nerd year resolution. Yeah, I want to play a little bit more around with our Nerd Byword website. Uh, this, you know, when we first started out, we basically used a Podbean uh, template. Podbean, of course, our our podcast host. Um, and since you know, over the last year, we've kind of built uh, our own website uh, through Bluehost from the ground up. Um, and I'm very, very pleased, I think, with the results of that so far. Um, the big thing, of course, is that right now it's predominantly a, a podcast delivery system and there isn't a whole lot else. And I do think that there is room for uh, for more, you know, uh, maybe uh, slapping on some, some written content, uh, some uh, behind the scenes extra information. Um, I think there are things that can be done to the website to uh, draw uh, in people uh, between episodes and and to provide, you know, a little bit more um, uh, content that links to some of the things that we're doing on the show. Um, and if we can figure out a way to do that and do that on a consistent basis, I would be very pleased with that. I think uh, the Nerd Byword website has the potential to be a nice little hub for some interesting um, commentary and content that is related to the nerd world. I don't see myself necessarily like putting up like a bunch of news stories or something. But, you know, I've, I've done some some stuff on my own website, uh, thatnerdave.com as well. Uh, it's like just, you know, short writing pieces and stuff that, that link to a specific commentary and different things happening in the nerd world or different content, different comic books, different video games. And if we can get a little bit something going with that, I think I would be very, very pleased with that. Yeah, I'm also toying around the idea, and I've, I've hinted around at this before, with our TikTok page um, at Nerd by Word, I haven't really posted anything because I don't know what I want that to look like. I'm not, like, I'm not sold on any particular direction. I certainly don't want to, you know, shake my ass on on TikTok. I'm, I'm I'm not qualified to do that. Do any of these? I need to get my. I need to click my pen right now yeah. because uh, <laughs> I can I I have to bleep what you want to shake on TikTok, uh, and then we'll just leave that to the imagination of the listeners. Yeah. So uh, I think there's a lot of cool stuff like comic book content and nerd content on TikTok. So I, I kind of want to make it, you know, a way to, to kind of draw in listeners. And I've done some stuff on, on there before on different accounts, um, but I'm just not sure how I want to manifest that yet. As of right now, I just find funny videos and post them on other social media pages but 
that's that's something that's consistently in the back of my mind as well. TikTok is a hard nut to crack. Um, I remember when when it first became sort of this big thing and and everybody was really into it. Um, you know, my my students at the time were trying to figure out from from like their journalism perspective how to use it, and I don't think to this point we have ever ever come up with a satisfying answer for that. Um, you know, there are certain things that that people do extremely well on there, but uh, it's 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 not an, an easy nut to crack on how best to use it. Not as a primary delivery system, but like as a, as a support content system. I, I think that's. Um, that's a tough nut to crack. So if you can crack that, I'm, I'll be excited to hear what you come up with, Chris. All right. I'm, I'm very, uh, very supportive of your next um, nerdier resolution here, Chris. Yeah. So based on how much I enjoyed Gotham Knights, one of my previous nerd commendations, I loved it so much that um, and, and fell in, in love with the character of Dick Grayson that, as I mentioned, I bought uh, a year-long ultra subscription to DC Universe Infinite, and so I want to make the most use of that. Um, I always have, you know, my Marvel Unlimited subscription. That's my home base, but I'm branching out a little bit, and I want to read some more DC stuff. So uh, I read The Long Halloween in one sitting. I read uh, Dark Victory um, and and really enjoyed those. Um and so I'm I'm also 25 issues into the Nightwing series, and there's a lot of different stuff, a lot of different directions. So I'm gonna have to sit down and um, kind of plan out the next year. But I'm 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 a completionist. I'm kind of OCD about getting the entirety of a character's history, and so I've got a lot of different things that I want to accomplish with that with that service. And I think one of the things uh, that can be challenging is that you know the. The, the the Marvel universe really harkens back to like, um, you know, predominantly like what the sixties. Um, for a lot of the DC characters, you're going back all the way to the thirties in some cases, you know. So, although there's a lot of really really good worthwhile stuff uh, in the past, may I recommend at the very least um, if you want to get like a good sense of where where characters tended to be over the last few decades to kind of start your jumping on point no earlier than crisis on infinite earths that's exactly i think, post- I think that's the first thing i'm going to read is the event of crisis because the post crisis uh the post crisis dc universe is in a lot of ways my DC universe. It's the one I grew up reading. And you know, when you, when you go pre-crisis, oftentimes you, you get really, really good stories and then you get like really, really goofy stuff too, because <clears throat> like boy, oh boy, Batman in the fifties uh, and sixties and got, got out there. But then, you know, in the seventies, it got really good again for a while. Um, but there's, there's something really much more cohesive and, and on point there for a long time in the pro, uh, post-crisis world that I think you, um, with your Marvel sliding time timeline and everything, I think you would probably gravitate towards that post-crisis world a little more. Uh, also, based on how much I loved one of your nerd commendations from from a good deal back, uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, I think is one of the best comics that I've read in recent years. Now that he's writing Batman, I think I want to jump on that. But I don't know if I need to go read the Tom King stuff or whatever. I think I want to read Court of Owls um, based on how much I enjoy Gotham Knights as well. Um, and there's just something about street level heroes. And I know that we we joke about being Batman to death, but um, I think that's just like where my interest lies for the most part. 
I have not touched Sadarsky's Batman yet, but I'm very, very excited to give it a give it a shot. I just love his Daredevil so much; it's ridiculous. Um, there's there's a number of really, really good Batman runs. I will say that uh, that King's is um, controversial. Um, I found a lot a lot to like in that run, um, and there were some missteps that I didn't appreciate either. But I can tell you that there are Batman fans that like hate that entire run like like a plague. It's it's a pretty divisive run in some camps. Um, you'll probably be better off with like the Court of Owls stuff as a jumping on point for Batman comics. That is a good that is a good long run too. That is really really good. Now we got way into the DC thing. We could talk about DC for an hour. I'm okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also <laughs> I I just almost like. I've gotten. I, I usually wait to nerd commend something until I'm all the way done with it. But Midnight Suns is so deep and vast in its in its content and the and the abilities, uh, the things that you can accomplish in that game. So here, I want to nerd commend it again. But now I say all this DC stuff. There's a lot of Marvel stuff that I've never really tapped into. Like I'm falling in love with the character of Blade. I'm getting a new appreciation for Logan um magic uh iliani rasputin like there's so many like dark and occult and magic stuff um i've never really tapped into the marvel universe so i've got a lot of reading ahead of me it also feels like there are always corners in in our respective preferred universes if you will uh that you know we can't quite connect with until we hit just the right book like um you know the 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 space side of DC, for example, was always really really easy for me. You know, I I kind of got into that via um, uh, Ron Mars's uh, Green Lantern run back in the day when I was a kid, and and that kind of just opened up like DC space for me. You know, like it was very easy to get into DC space. And I go over to Marvel and Marvel space, man. I try, I keep trying, I try, I try, I try. I just wanted to read like a bunch of Guardians of the Galaxy because I like the movies a lot. You know. And I went all the way back to like the Annihilation event and I'm sitting there trying to read this and I just, I cannot get into this Nova character and I want to, I really want to, and I'm trying, I'm trying and I just give up. And as like, like Marvel space, I struggle to connect with DC space, no problem. And it's just a matter, I think, of just finding that, that right book with the right creative team on the right character and suddenly it clicks. Um, and so I have the same problem with like the occult corner of uh, of DC. There are, you know, Satana, for example, I adore her, um, but she's not, you know, used nearly enough, I don't think. And then there are, you know, really cool characters in that corner, like, you know, Detective Chimp. And you know, I always only get like peripheral stuff from those characters. And I'm like, I really should get more into the occult side of DC. There's so much cool stuff here, but I'm still waiting for the right book to come along and really grab me, you know? So I understand where you're coming from there, man. And and based on here's another one here's another one I've I got so much uh, based on how much I loved uh, what's going to be next week's nerd commendation dun 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 I'm gonna be doing like a whole deep dive on like champions and stuff like that um and and Ironheart and so I'm I've I've just got so much reading ahead of me and there's so many great characters that I've met either peripherally or directly in in media that I can't wait to dive deep into. Now I will say, like the champions with with um, what was it with Miles and um, and young Cyclops and Miss Marvel. Like I, I I read a good chunk of that run, and it's it's quite enjoyable. So there, there's some good stuff there. All right. Speaking of reading lists, you are going off the beaten path, Dave. 
Well, I mean, you know, beaten path, that, that, that entirely depends on who you are, right? For me, this is like a uh, home base. Um, I, I just want to spend more time reading European comics again. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to get bogged down in the American comic book scene. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the whole uh, Japanese scene looms very, very large. And it's, it's very much like a binary thing, almost like you like, you like American comics, or you like Japanese comics. And that's sort of like the two things that people act are there, you know, um, you like superhero, or you like indie, well, I like it all. But th- the big thing that I've noticed is when, when I think back to like my childhood, you know, the things that that grabbed me before I got into superhero comics in particular, um, you know, I was a big fan of like, um, you know, Scrooge McDuck comic books because you know that that makes sense as a kid. But then there was also there was also Lucky Luke, you know, and there was there was Asterix and Obelix and 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 those those distinctive sort of uh, Franco-Belgian comic books that they left a big imprint on me. And I feel like you know leaving Europe meant that I disconnected from like a whole comic book tradition and one that uh, most. American comic book fans don't spend a lot of time paying attention to and and there's a there's a big strong healthy you know comic book industry graphic novel industry in parts of Europe and they're putting out stuff you know constantly and there's some really interesting stuff and very different uh, tonally, very different uh, subject matter wise than some of the stuff that we we sometimes see tackled in American comic books. And so I feel like it, it's just time for me to get back to my roots a little bit and to reconnect to to that particular comic book tradition and to just see what I've been missing out on since I left, you know, Europe 20 plus years ago and, and just kind of like drifted away from all of those books. I've, I've, you know, spent some time starting to reread some of the the original volumes of, of Asterix. And it's just incredible to me how, how funny they are and how well they hold up. But I really want to get into the newer stuff too. Like, what have I missed over the last 20 years? There's got to be a ton of quality stuff and stuff that's not really talked enough about on this side of, of the ocean, you know? So so one of my goals is going to be to just read more European comic books again. And so my nerd commendations might might get even weirder there for a while, because I just want to dive headfirst into, like, a, a segment of, of this industry that, that just completely flies under the radar for most readers. Uh, so, so let, let's, let's just read more European comics, man. Like that's what I'm all about right now. Is, are these readily and easily accessible? Uh, some, um, I'm, I'm doing research right now to kind of make a list of some of the stuff that I want to dive into. Some of the stuff you can get, uh, you know, uh, from Amazon via Kindle, some of the stuff pops up on Comixology. There's also, um, um, a, I don't want to say publisher, but like, a a printing house, I guess. It's called Europe Comics. They're kind of in the business of translating those things and printing them, and you can order directly through their website. Um, so there are ways to get a hold of some of these things. None of them, none of them necessarily easy or streamlined. I mean, there's not a one-stop shop where you go online. It's like, you know, download your European digital comics. You know, we're, we're not going to have DC Universe Infinite Europe Edition or something. Um, but I think they are available, and there have been many translated. Um, I also have the benefit 
of you know even if if the the originals are like in French for example if they have been translated into German then I can just go ahead and bypass looking for an English translation if there isn't one and just you know grab a German translation because you know that that I guess that's just the benefit of being bilingual um but you know readily available is kind of I, I recommended one um a few months back called Ells E L L E and then in parentheses S uh that was a European comic um, and that one I found through the uh, through the Kindle store. I got it from Amazon. Um, so the, the, some some of them are more easily available than others. My guess is that the ones that I can get a hold of digitally, I will get digitally. Um, but I'm making a list right now, and there's some really interesting stuff out there, man. This reminds me. I think do you remember this a couple of years ago when it was like a revelation that there was a Mexican like comic book company that did not get the news that Gwen Stacy had been killed off. And so like they, oh, continued, yes. they continued on and I was, I was, I was looking everywhere, eBay, anywhere. Like I was looking at like Mexican, like online stores trying to find copies of these books. Cause I was dying to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just that kind of stuff. Sometimes, you know, get going, going globalist for a second, but you know, there are things that are beyond the borders of our own country that are high quality, uh, entertainment. That's why I love watching foreign films as well too. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the old subtitles. Um, so it's, I'm just excited to dive back into something that I have not, you know, been able to reconnect with really since my teenage years. It's just, it, I'm just so excited like i can hardly get the words out i'm just so excited to get back into european comic books and just really get a sense for them again all right chris what is your uh, third and final um nerd year resolution listen i made you a promise a couple months ago that i would finally finish the heir to the empire trilogy and uh, I'm almost done with the second book, but my brain is just so scattered and ADHD with all the different things that I'm reading, games that I'm playing, shows that I'm watching, films I'm watching, that I'm still, um, I'm doing most of this via audiobook, if not completely via audiobook. Uh, number one, the I'm narrator. sorry. Number one, the narrator is not great. And also, no, everybody, it, no. everybody now, since your very first nerd commendation, I measure them against the Witcher audiobooks, which everything else sucks in comparison to them. Um, this is true. So I'm 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 like 20 chapters in to Dark Force Rising, so I'm almost there. And I really want to finish this because this was a promise I made. It was a is an episode that we had agreed upon that you would read uh, Hawks Pox. Which, if we're making comparisons, 12, 12 issues of comics versus three full novels, not 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 exactly the same workload. Although, in fairness, that was some dense stuff, dude. And I had zero interest in reading it. <laughs> uh, I was, same. I, it, same. It, it, you you had to you had to persuade me for this one, my friend. Uh, I, and and yeah, I will freely admit that you had the much bigger workload. But I feel like I had to do some heavy lifting, considering that I was not all that well versed in the X Men universe. Yeah, um, it's it's also been a strange reading experience just to reorient myself because these books were written even before the prequels. So yeah. Um, I think in fact in fact in fact Coruscant as the name of the Imperial Center was established by these books. 
Oh, and then let me Lu- let me tell Lucas, you this. Lucas kept Lucas kept that. Oh, I, I know the narrator doesn't know how to pronounce Coruscant. Oh, it's he says horrible. he says Coruscant, and I immediately stop and quit. So that's probably <laughs> that right there is probably what's made me take months and months and months just to get through these first two books. Just do me a favor and don't don't hold the narrator against the novels, please. I, I, <laughs> just don't I may do just... that. I may just go through my handy dandy Libby app and borrow a Kindle version from the from the local library because there's only so much, so many, so many Coruscants I can take. Coruscants. Um, <laughs> also, I will say, as it stands right now, Dark Force Rising is a massive upgrade over the first novel. Um, I think. Uh, so much of heir to the empire and not to put the cart before the horse of this episode that hopefully we eventually get to if I ever finish this. Um, a lot of heir to the empire was, uh, you know, setting up the scenery, reestablishing that universe and, and a lot of the same old tropes that were just kind of played out from the original trilogy. But if you take into context at that time, that was just about 10 years after the original trilogy wrapped up. So um, it's just it's just weird because I have to reorient myself, and so it's a bit jarring. And then you have this this buffoon talking about Coruscant and dark, <laughs> dark Jedi. Just keep saying Dark Jedi, and you and I texted about this. He, I was just like, wait, did they like create the word Sith later on? Because he keeps saying Dark Jedi, and that doesn't make sense. Why not just call them Sith? Well, you know, and 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 my my thing was Sith. Uh was a term that had actually popped up in like one of the rough drafts of uh, George Lucas's script for the, for the first star Wars movie, episode four, new hope, whatever, you know? Um, and then it was, it popped up in the novelization of that as well. Um, but I, I just, I have absolutely no source for this or corroboration or any reason to believe this, but it just feels right. I guess it's, it, it has truthiness as uh, Stephen Colbert would have said back in the day. It just <laughs> feels right, whether it's true or not. It, it, you know, if, if you're saying Sith out loud, it's fine. But if you're writing it on the page, it just, and you just kind of glance at the word, it looks a whole lot like shit. And I don't know if I'd want to say over and over again in my star Wars movie. And I'm so going to have to have so many bleeps for doing that just now. <laughs> Um, okay, please help me with this. How do you say, is it Sabaoth? Is it Sabaoth? How do you say this goofus isn't Would you believe that I still do not know after all these years well, for sure? I, and this guy, I'm not going to take this guy's word for, you know, anything, because he's saying Coruscant. <laughs> you really can't. Coruscant. I'm never going to get over that. But you know, you know, it's just, there's just no blueprint at the time. I mean, if you think about it, this this was really the first the first new Star Wars in a decade, you know, and it's just, it, it's a whole different world. I, and, and our context for this is going to be completely different too. I have a mad love for this because I read it when I was, when I was 10 years old and, you know, holy crap, there's new Star Wars stories, you know, and, and, and this was, this was everything. Oh my God, this is Luke Skywalker. He's a fully trained Jedi. He's out there having more adventures, you know, um, until the get goes roll and, around. Yeah, and then you know, in in your context, it's like you know, there is there is a plethora of Star Wars content. It's everywhere. You cannot escape it. Um, the storytelling has changed a lot in the last twenty years. You know, so um, I said I said twenty years. It's thirty years. Um, 
anyways, so storytelling has has changed a lot in that universe as well. So our even even our context is is just going to be very very different for these. Where this is like a childhood love that I keep coming back to. This is like this this weird alternate universe for you. <laughs> so I I don't anticipate that you're going to love the Ayer trilogy nearly as much as I do. Um, and that is in large part because of just the context of how we encountered them. You know. I will say this, um, reading these books um, has really reinforced my sheer adoration for Star Wars Rebels. And if there is no nerd commendation that you take from me, it's to watch Star Wars Rebels because it takes the best elements of this uh, series, a.k.a. Thrawn, and it's just so masterfully well done. and kind of seeing him in the context of the rebellion, um, rather than just a replacement to uh, the emperor and the old regime, seeing him in that context is fascinating. So, all the more reason for me to just simply adore Star Wars Rebels and hopefully what we get to see in the Ahsoka series, because there are rumors, strong rumors, that we're getting thrown and the Rebels band back together. I just, I'm, I'm just gonna say it that the second best thing to come out of these books, and Disney refuses to pick it back up, is Mara Jade. Oh, know, shut up, Mara shut Jade up! Jade God, again. I love her. She can do no wrong. I love her. You, you She's knew what you did when way. you recommended this. You knew what you did. Oh God, I love her. <laughs> she is. She's perfect in every way. She oh. just is. I support women's rights and women's wrongs. <laughs> All right, Dave, your final nerd year resolution. I just want to write more. Um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I used to write a lot, um, a lot more and, and got sidetracked with, you know, life and things. And, you know, if, if nothing else, doing this podcast has kind of reignited my love of, 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 you know, not just reading comics and talking about comics, but also writing comics. And so it's just exciting to be to be out there, you know, writing again. Um, I have a, I have a short story placed in an anthology that's supposed to release next year. There'll probably be a Kickstarter announcement here pretty soon. Um, I have a, another short story that's complete art and colors, everything done that you know we're shopping around right now. Uh, just had a couple of pitches accepted to a couple of other anthologies. Just kind of like building myself back up, you know getting that narrative edge sharp again. I love writing short fiction anyway. So writing, you know, stories that are like, you know, eight to 12 pages or something feels, feels really good right now. Um, And eventually I kind of build myself up to maybe like a one shot or something. And just like really just putting, putting my, my comic book writing out there again, there is something so special about, um, about writing comics. Um, just the, the the collaborative nature of it, you know, bring, working with the, um, the the right artist, you know, and then seeing what a colorist brings to the table, and then seeing what a letterer brings to the table, you know, Th- those those collaborative feelings, um, they're just like nothing else. And I, I I write you know prose as well, and I write nonfiction, but but there's something really special about about writing comics. And so my goal for this next year is just to keep, you know, going and keep pushing and, and get more short stories out there and maybe start, you know, working up towards that one shot and and try to put, you know, put some of these ideas that I've been on my back burner for a long time now out there into the world. And, and hopefully people will like them. 
but I just I just want to be back in that uh, in that creative process. I want to you know meet interesting artists, collaborate with them, bounce ideas off of them. You know, and and in a lot of ways, you learn so much about the medium of comic books just by working in the medium of comic books. You know, I I don't think I've ever learned more than just you know talking with an artist. There's, there's nothing better than th- going through the beats of a story and an artist basically saying, "Dude." That there's no good way to do what do what you're proposing here, but if you do this, and I'm like, holy crap, why did I not see that? That is genius, you know. That kind of back and forth. I don't think there's anything quite like it in other creative endeavors. It's just in in comic books, it's just something so special. So my my big final nerd year resolution is to just write more comics. Yeah, it's crazy, and I think I talked about this as well in our hundredth episode. But like doing this show kind of brought me back into writing for the first time it, it almost like awoke uh, uh awoken those um those latent cells that i haven't done since college and so when i was just writing lovesick poetry and stuff like that <laughs> on the side and i was writing songs and everything and so i mean for pete's sake in the last year i've created my own original character um which a dear friend of mine uh al dondo has has brought to life um you can see that as my profile picture on Twitter and in our Discord. So it's just really, really cool um, to just get those juices flowing and something that I hadn't considered in over a decade. So um, I'm really excited by the possibility of opening up like uh, written features on our website, whether it is comic reviews or or what have you. Just being back in that realm of creativity um, has just been such a joy. And even even picking brains of you know, both professional and indie creators over the course of this show has been really cool to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm such a nerd. I love origin stories. I love etymology. I love, uh, you know, the beginning of everything. That's what I love about language as well Is like, I like the starting points. And so being able to kind of chart these folks stories as well, in addition to our own has been really fascinating. Have you uh, have you watched Wednesday yet on Netflix? Um, not yet. I um, I had started the first few minutes, um, but I've seen a couple of highlights, and I like what I see, and I'm excited to dive into it. So I've watched like the first three or four episodes now. Oh my god, I'm watching TV. It's incredible. I don't even know how that happened. Um, every once in a while, I find a little time. Um, and I don't think the character has ever been more relatable than when you realize that she like is is working through all of her emotional issues by writing like a, a fictionalized version of herself, and she just constantly sitting down at this little old typewriter and it's just like hammering that on that typewriter. I just like I'm just gonna have to grow some pigtails because I find her totally relatable now. <laughs> like this is I know exactly what you feel like. You're just working through her issues, like putting out stories into the world and just hammering on that typewriter. I love a good typewriter, man. That's how I learned how to type. Oh, I need man, to get one. Yeah. I, I would write all my stories on vintage typewriters if I could. <laughs> There's something, something so soothing about that. Um, I, it, with Based on the success of that show, I hope that the rumors that we reported on a couple of weeks or months ago that she's going to be uh, White Tiger in the MCU, I hope, I hope those are coming out to be true. Oh, oh, Jenna Ortega deserves all all the success. 
Like even parts of the show where I thought, oh, the, that, that bit of writing was a little weak or, or that little bit of snark wasn't all that well written. Her delivery saves every one of the weaker moments and elevates every one of the powerful ones. It, it's a tour de force acting wise. Absolutely. A God. It's just, I, I, I just, I'm blown away. I'm in awe of that performance. It's so good. And she's going to be in the, the new Scream movie as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think she wasn't. I think she was in the last one as well. Although I will say, um, this is really a standout role for her. Like I, I remember the, the the last Scream movie, but she did not grab my my attention there like she did here. It's it's this is a star making turn. I mean, it, there's no one. It's no wonder that everybody's talking about her after this. It's it's a tour de force. Alrighty, folks, there you have it. Those are our Nerd Year resolutions. What are yours? Find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at NerdByWord and individually at that nerd Dave and at that nerd Chris. We want to know what you are looking forward to nerd-wise in the new year. Uh, and please stick around because after a short break, we're going to hit you with two more nerd commendations. Welcome back, folks. It's time to recommend some new nerdy media, things that we have encountered that we love and we think you would love too. You know it as... Chris, Miles Morales again. What's going on? Yeah, we got a brand new number one with a new writer and artist. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one, dropped a few weeks ago as of the time of this recording, written by nerd by word favorite author Cody Ziegler, who wrote Dave's uh, Doc Ock Aunt May team up issue of the Beyond series. Um, sold, sold, illustrated. sold, commendation over, yep. sold, sold, I'm buying this, we're in. Yeah, uh, and illustrated beautifully by Federico Vincentini. Um, and so we're kind of, I, as much as I love the Saladin Ahmed run, it was a much needed kind of, not a reboot, but like a repurposing. And what, um, and it captured all the great family moments, introduces a new adversary for Miles, uh, and really grounds the character. And um, what I just continue to love about this character, and it's the same thing, that I loved about the the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle run is that the family's in on this quote unquote secret identity, and I just think that that's so much more of a rich storytelling well to dip into when your family's there with you along for the ride, and you're supported, and you're loved, and you're not this mopey loner. You know, mopey loner. I love you, Pete, but like, good God, tell them. Like, so. Um, I just I just really, really enjoyed this. There was one moment in particular, a family moment where he's on the phone with his parents. Uh, it got real dusty in my room when I was reading this. Um, and it just captures all the elements that I love so much about Miles. Um, and I think Ziggler and Vincentini knock it out of the park and I can't wait for the second issue. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of the character, uh, particularly obviously from uh, you know the whole Into the Spider Verse movie. I, I adore that thing. Um, also, and, new trailer and, drop and it, for that. New trailer drop for yeah. that. Oh my god! Yeah, looking good. But uh, I I always kind of have like bounced around with his comics a little bit. Like I'll read a few issues and then I just kind of like lose track of it, and I'm not quite sure why that keeps happening to me because I really do adore the character. So maybe this new number one is a is a place for me to kind of find my jumping on point again um, and then kind of work my way backwards. 
and kind of go through all the stuff that I've missed in in his development because I'm I'm a big big fan. I think one of the issues that I still have is you know what they ultimately ha 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 did with the Ultimate Universe and that 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 connection to like you know Peter Parker Spider Man is dead and I have sort of picked up the mantle and you know what that means and how the whole legacy aspect of the character that that's kind of been wiped away a little bit. And a lot of those, uh, the developments from those early issues, I think like his mother died and then she came back to life or something. Um, a lot of development from those early issues was wiped away too. That that kind of stuff always leaves me a little reeling. I hate it particularly when DC Comics does that and they love their crisis and rebooting everything. They do it like every few years, it feels like. Um, but that kind of thing always bugs me. And so there's like that wall there where if I'm trying to read like his early issues, I'm like, yeah, but none of this is going to matter in a few issues, you know, um, which is stupid because it's just a story, you know, like if, if it's good, it matters. Um, but, you know, it, it just feels like the character kind of gets reset when they kind of do the whole like ultimate universe thing is gone. Um, and I really like the legacy aspect of the character and that being wiped away. I'm just going to have to get over myself and get back on the horse with this character because I am a fan. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest bungles of the character. I think you could already tell. I've said this before on the show. Bendis was obviously checking out Spider-Man 2 was such a disappointment. Um, and the the his writing on the Miles book is almost like he was mailing it in. Um, and so I, I recommend the, the Ahmed run. There are a couple of dips in there, uh, but it's it's good for the most part. And then this one is a great easy starting point as well there's it's 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 very new reader friendly well i'm there for it all right dave i'm excited to hear about yours because i played a version of this way back when on the xbox 360 ah civilization revolution i'm assuming oh my god man i'm gonna tell you now something this is this is not even a joke i i was at ground zero for the series i remember playing the very first civilization game in in the 90s on the pc in a youth cafe where you got to pay a few german marks that's not even a thing anymore now they have the euro (laughs) you got to you got to pay a few german marks for an hour of computer time and i was just playing civilization nonstop. i'm a big fan of the civilization series it's been with me um you know on and off for most of my life it feels like um and my favorite by far was Civilization Three. It's the one I probably played the most. I was it was around my college years when I was just, you know, I needed to relax my brain for some reason. Uh, turn-based strategy, uh, civilization building games were like the place where I went to relax. Um, don't know why that is. Um, maybe it's my love of history. However, uh, I've kind of like disconnected from the series for a little while, so I didn't really play four or five very much. Um, and in the meantime, we've hit already Civilization Six as of like 2016. So this this game has been around for a while. But what I really want to speak about here is the fact that this thing has gotten an iPad port, and and that got me interested because uh, having a, you know a Civilization game, a full fledged PC Civilization game, sort of on the go on your iPad, that's that's like a nice idea. Um, I never really have the time to sit at my computer for hours and just like play a strategy game like this. But I can sneak out my iPad a little while after everybody's gone to bed and play some on my iPad. That's much easier. So I installed this and holy crap, dude, it's it's amazing. Um, obviously, the series has come a long way since I spent all those 
hours playing Civilization Three. Um, you know, the they've kind of gone like to to like uh, hexagon tiles now instead of uh, instead of like these these square tiles. That's a really interesting adjust, uh, adjustment. Um, a whole bunch of new. Um, mechanics, you know, where you, you're building like districts now around your city. Um, that's really interesting. How do you support your various cities with very specific districts? There's all sorts of new stuff to learn here for somebody who um, is sort of an old veteran of the series, but lapsed out of it for a while. But, you know, I have to say, Asper, which uh, did the port to iPad, did a really, really good job. It handles really well. Everything makes sense. Uh, you know, touchscreen is responsive. Uh, load times are fairly low unless you're playing on like a ginormous uh, sized earth. Uh, then the loading times can get a little long. But I mean, I opened this thing up on my iPad and, and within, I would say, 15 seconds I'm playing. And that's pretty darn good for you know, what is basically a full-fledged PC game ported to an iPad. I'm not running an iPad Pro or anything. So... And I have enough power under the hood to perfectly run this without problems. I'm very, very impressed with this. And, and it's a great alternate way to experience just a really fantastic turn-based strategy game. Um, what's interesting here, uh, too, is that you can download the game for free and play 60 turns for free. Uh, which is, you know, that that's a hefty uh, amount of time that you can, you know, test drive the game. Um, the base game then cost uh, $9.99 currently on iPad, which is, as far as I'm concerned, a steal. And then there are various uh, DLC packs uh, that you can purchase as in-app purchases. And see, I know I always rail against like in-app purchases and all that stuff, but this isn't, you know, pay to win or anything like that. An expansion packs have have been a very very long tradition in the civilization series you get the base game and then every year or so they put a big expansion pack out where they add you know additional game features additional civilizations you can play as new scenarios i, I love a, new, a good scenario here is like gathering storm where it adds like natural disasters into the game and then you have to like figure out how you're going to steer your civilization through various natural disasters uh that's a very very cool uh part of the game so i'm looking at very various um, uh, DLC passes right now to see what I'm going to get. Uh, right now, I'm still learning, you know, the, the new features of the base game, but I'm very, very pleased with this overall, and it runs on my iPad like a charm. So highly recommend it. If you're, if you're into turn-based strategy, there is no game like Civilization. I mean, there's plenty of imitators, but there there is no game that hits the hits the spot quite like Civilization itself. And it's available on iPad, which is just mind blowing to me. Yeah, this is a blast from the past. Between this and Age of Empires, those were my go tos back in the day. Um, I love that stuff. Now, I just looked up on my Mac. Unfortunately, my version um, is is fifty nine ninety nine, but but that's okay. So um, it's it's been a it's been a hot second since I've played a civilization game, but maybe it's it's time to tap back in. Yeah, I have to say, man, it's 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 amazing and and fun, and they've not like it's not it's I don't even know how to how to say this. They did not rest on their laurels, you know. Like the gameplay has changed significantly, uh, the design of the game has changed significantly from previous versions. It took me a good second to orient myself in what the game was like now, um, and I think that's really cool. Like that they're constantly trying to make a better civilization game. Um, 
Now, this thing has been ported to pretty much anything you can imagine. You might want to also check your Xbox One, uh, because apparently there is an Xbox uh, port of, of Civilization VI as well. It's pretty much everywhere at this point. So maybe that one is more in, in the ballpark affordability-wise. They're also, uh, as of this recording, they got a countdown sale going on, on Xbox. So you might be able to pick it up for cheap. Alrighty, folks, there you have it. If you like what you just heard, then you know what to do. Get on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a rating, give us a review, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. You can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and of course, our very own website, nerdbyword.com. And hit us up on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at nerd by word or individually that nerd Dave and that nerd Chris also hit the link tree in our bio to slide into the discord server and chat with us, share your nerd commendations, things you'd like to see in future episodes. Also get you some cool merch. You know, you need a coffee mug with our logo on it. And as always stay well and stay nerdy. The nerd by word is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available. Mm-hmm.